Um, good morning, everybody. Good to see everybody. It's Thanksgiving this week. That's nuts! I still can't believe that it's Thanksgiving. Literally, it feels like it was just yesterday. So we're all freezing right now with like hats on, like literally bundled up for winter. And it feels like just yesterday. Weren't we all in here like sweating uncontrollably? Yeah. <laughs> it really does feel like that. It's interesting because as our kids have gotten older, we have four under the age of 10, I feel like time goes by that much faster because we fill it with all kinds of stuff, like events or throwing them in the car and going to the pool or uh, old Allegheny soccer, which a lot of people here are involved in. Super fun. If you have little kids, highly recommend it. But ultimately, we fill it with all this stuff and it just flies by. And then this week, we had our first snow. Now we have our first deep freeze. I, I think it's a little premature for that, but it happened, so it is what it is. But I vaguely, on one hand, remember last winter, the last snow, I think it was in like early April, and I re remember it because I was scraping my car thinking, please let this be the last time I chip ice off of my windshield. And on one hand, that feels like forever ago, but on the other hand, it kind of feels like it was just yesterday. Like now that it's cold again, it's like, where did the summer go? Has it been cold this whole time? Did summer even happen? And I'm like, oh man, I'm losing my mind. Now, I don't know about you, but when I have a realization that a season has come and gone, there's a couple different emotions that I have. On one hand, there's joy. You know, I look back on it and I'm like, man, there was a lot of fun stuff that we did during that season. Some great memories that we made. And along with that joy, there's some gratitude, because I think it is healthy to look back and feel grateful about the things that you experienced, both individually and as a family. On the other hand, I think I feel, I don't know if it's sadness, um, maybe a little bit of sorrow, almost like the man if only mentality. You guys ever felt that? You, know, you look back on a season and you're like, man, I, I really wanted to take the kids hiking more. I think we only went twice. I can't remember. Maybe once? Whatever. It wasn't as much as we wanted to. I know that. I wanted to do this drainage project in our driveway. Definitely didn't do it. Wanted to hang out with my sister Mackenzie, who literally just moved in across the street from us. Like, no excuses there. Like, across the street, I think we hung out with her maybe once. We used her for babysitting like a dozen times. <laughs> Whoops. Oh, we also had some friends that have a big family that we wanted to spend time with, but we just never got around to making it happen. Now, if you're anything like me, I get through this, oh, if only mentality, but then I immediately slide into like this justification mode. It's like, ah, you know, it was too humid outside. That's why we didn't have Mackenzie over. It was miserable. We're out there and there's mosquitoes sucking the life out of me. And I'm like, I don't want to hang out there. That's why we didn't hang out. Or the drainage projects. Didn't actually get worse. Was it really a must do or more of like a, Nice to do. I think it was just more of a nice to do. I'll do it next season. Or, okay, we actually reached out to that couple with the big family and it was their fault. They're busy. We tried like four times. Either way, I start justifying it. But amidst all the justifications, amidst all the gratitude, amidst all the what ifs, there's one thing that still remains and it's that it all kind of feels like a blur. It just went by. This one long string of sameness. And I find myself at the end of a day exhausted, early mornings, and I hit the repeat button, almost like life is on play, and I just want to click pause. 
Have any of you ever felt that way? It's a lot of nodding heads. Thank goodness, because otherwise I'm the crazy one. I guess those aren't mutually exclusive. At the same time, I think that we as Americans, specifically in this culture, because I don't think it's in every culture, we value busyness. We wear it on our sleeve like a badge of honor. You know, it's like, man, you get out of work on a Friday and your coworker hits you up and he's like, hey, any big plans for the weekend? I hate that phrase. I always feel like I gotta step up and make up big plans. I'm like, oh yeah, don't worry. It's a crazy weekend. We got two soccer games in the morning, going to a movie tonight, catching the pit game at four on Saturday, and then we actually got two birthday parties for two separate kids in two separate cities on Sundays. It's gonna be nuts. And then the coworker steps up because clearly you gotta get one up. And he's like, oh, you think that's busy? My in laws just came in from out of town, and our mother in law is forcing us to go to this breakfast restaurant that she loves, but we all hate. And then we're going to meet with all their friends at the mall because we've got to get new dresses for the girls because they grew out of their stuff over the last season. And then I've got to work an extra shift on Sunday because we're understaffed at the restaurant. But hopefully I can get out of there at least by four so I can get down to Southern Pier and watch the Stillers. I mean, it's nuts. It literally, it's like this crazy game of like who has the busier weekend. I mean, I think I can't remember a time where someone came up to me, or I went up to them, and I simply said, hey, you got any big plans for the weekend? And the response was, nope, nothing. I mean, first off, if I admit that, if that's my response, does that mean I have no friends? Does that mean I'm not intentional in my community? Does that mean I literally am just not caring about what I'm doing on the weekend? Does that mean I have no life? And if it doesn't mean that, is that what everybody else is gonna think? You see, we almost associate busyness with self-worth. We don't realize it. Our importance, we believe that our constant state of doing directly correlates with the value that we bring to our community, to our friends, our neighbors, and our companies. Our busyness justifies our existence. And I think we see this reflected on magazine covers in our culture, that that's true, that our accomplishments, our achievements, our connections, all of this busyness is what defines our worth, our value. So if I'm not busy, if I'm not constantly contributing, constantly on the go, then I have no worth. So what do we do? We fill our schedules with all kinds of stuff, projects, initiatives, to-do list items, hoping that once we complete them, we'll feel great and we will feel value, but this strange thing happens as we check them off. We end each day feeling the exact same way. Tired, worn out, drained, empty. I'm not the only one that feels this way, right? Okay, because I was going to say, I'll, I'll walk out right now if I'm the only one that struggles with this. But that's definitely me. You know, it's interesting, during the early days of COVID, so we're talking like early 2020, I found myself with a lot of free time on my hands, like a ton. The fintech company that I helped start that we were just about to launch globally, literally in a time span of less than 24 hours shut down. 100 people out of jobs, blink of an eye. You know, we service restaurants and retail, and when restaurants and retail shut down, there's not much of a need for the product that you represent. And so I found myself with a lot of free time. And it was in this time span that a very good friend of mine gave me a book by an author named Wayne Mueller. The title was called Sabbath. 
And I was like, okay, dude, first off, I'm not taking a sabbatical. This isn't like I'm entering into this rest willingly. So it was a little bit of a low blow, like kick me when I'm down type moment. And I was like, what a jerk. But at the same time, I was like, okay, well, I got time. So there's no excuse not to read it. And as I read through it, I started to have some pretty cool realizations. It's a really good book. See, there was a rhythm to it, almost like a cadence. The chapters would begin with a prayer or a scripture. They would then enter into some topic about Sabbath, what it actually is, you know, what the purpose of it is. And then it would end with just a practical tip, a different way that I could experience Sabbath or rest. And as I read the chapters, I'll never forget, there was this one warm morning in our backyard. I was sitting by the fire pit, and this cadence of these chapters almost felt like this gentle inhale and an exhale, followed by another and another. almost felt like I was on like a little mini spiritual retreat, like I was in my backyard, but at the same time, I kind of wasn't. Maybe I am the crazy one. Mentally or spiritually, at least, it felt like I had this little reprieve. And I remember looking up after finishing the book and wishing that it wasn't done. I didn't want to leave that moment. Looking up at the sky, gosh, I think I heard the birds chirp, or maybe just the beauty of that sound, maybe for the first time. It was astounding. I remember the warmth of the sun. It didn't just feel like the sun. I wasn't complaining because I was sweating, which is usually what I do in the sun, or I burn. But it felt like an embrace. I was being hugged. And that moment was so beautiful. And then the back door slams shut. My son Weston comes running out, trips on his face, starts crying, and shows me a craft that he was making for the last hour. And of course, that moment of peace and serenity was completely and entirely gone. But at the same time, it actually wasn't. You know, I, I remember, it was odd. I remember holding Weston as he showed me this craft that he had worked so hard over the last couple hours to make. And I remember just wanting him to feel that same love and peace that I had experienced over these last couple days reading this book. I remember wanting him to feel seen, to feel valued, just because he was on my lap, covered in mud, covering me in mud. I remember wanting him to feel delighted in purely because he breathes and lives, not because of anything that he did. People, my wife's in the front row right here. Feel free to ask her afterwards if you want, although it'll be embarrassing. That's not me. A, I don't get interrupted very easily because I'm like very tunnel vision. So if someone comes up and they try to interrupt me, I'm not going to hear it. This is why she knows she has to assign to-do list items for me in my iPhone or I will forget. And if one of my kids does interrupt me, oh gosh, let's just say that my responses do not usually win me any awards for father of the year. Um, that's for sure. I struggle with that. So it felt out of body for me. Exodus 20, uh, 8 through 11. It says, remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days you're going to labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, you, your son, your daughter, your servants, or your livestock, or the sojourner who is within your gates. For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea, and all that's in them, and rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. Uh, I think most of us are probably familiar with this verse. I mean, it's the Ten Commandments. So I think we all heard them a lot growing up. At least I did. And on one hand, we know as Christians, like Jesus fulfilled the law. 
Like, yes, we live in freedom. Like, that's not what we're subject to anymore. But at the same time, I think we can all kind of agree the Ten Commandments are still kind of, like, somewhat common sense. Like, it's probably not too bad to obey those on a day-to-day basis. Like, almost like this. Um, These are the basics, the elementary things. Like, I don't need to pat myself on the back after today because I made it through another day without cheating on my wife or killing anybody. I'm just saying They're the basics. But if the Ten Commandments are the basics or assumptions of a healthy, God-honoring life, and let's call them this blueprint for the common sense, satisfied life as God designed it, then why do we ignore the aspect of the Sabbath? The notion of commanded rest. See, I think somewhere along the lines, and I don't know when it happened, at least for me, but we started to interpret the Sabbath as more of like a suggestion rather than a command. In my mind, I picture it almost like, you know, God comes up beside me, bumps shoulders, I came in. Just just a suggestion, totally just a suggestion. But I, I think you should take a breather tomorrow. You know, do a little Sabbath thing. Like, totally your call, up to you, but I think you could really benefit from this. And I'm like, oh, I feel seen, dude, thanks. Bump fists. I'm like, hey, thanks for the suggestion. I'll get to that when I can. I, just, I got a really busy weekend, but thanks for watching out for me. We just take it as a suggestion. It's not something that we feel commanded to do. And this notion of intentional and chosen and commanded rest, even when we still have a dozen things on our to-do list, it vanished. We almost feel guilty resting. And we got all these things that we need to do first so that we can earn rest so we go back to that list of things we want to check off all these things on the to-do list so that finally i can sit down on my couch for a full hour watch an episode of the wire polish off my kids halloween candy that they forgot about and call it a day like that's our experience with rest i think for some of us at least for me there's also this antiquated aspect of the Sabbath. You know, it's legalistic, like something from the Old Testament, so I don't got to pay attention to it because I believe in Jesus. That's a joke. You should totally read the Old Testament. But that phrase, Sabbath, it feels like Pharisaic. Like I'm trying to use a gotcha phrase on somebody who's doing something they ain't supposed to be doing. At least that was my experience as a kid. There were only a few times my parents tried to implement anything about a Sabbath, and it was always stuff like no phones, no yard work, no TV. Now I think about it, it was never no homework. I always still had to do homework. (laughs) Seems a little hypocritical. Anywho, it was always about the things you don't do. And so here we are, as Christians, feeling two things about the Sabbath. On one hand, it's something you got to earn. I've got to do these achievements, get these things off my to-do list. And on the other hand, it's this thing that's filled with things that you can't do. So it sounds super appealing, right? Like, Sabbath is my jam. I'm going to go Sabbath. Do Sabbath. Is it a verb? I don't know. Sabbath. It's this weird thing. And so here's the thing, though. We treat it as a suggestion because we don't fully understand it. When in actuality, Sabbath is essential to God. And Sabbath is essential to our vitality. It provides this pause, this space, the focus to remind ourselves that he, God, is in control, not us. 
that our contributions, our achievements, our to-do lists, those aren't what bring us joy, and they aren't what satisfy us or make the world a better place. Only he can satisfy, only he can protect, and only he can provide. Constant doing, this keep going mentality, is actually a sign of an inward belief that we are in control and that our actions dictate our outcomes. It's actually an indicator that we don't believe God is really all that involved in our day to day. That we're only as good as what we do and that we can't rest. And when we can't rest, it's a clear admission that the lens through which we view ourselves is tainted by standards that he never intended for us to have for ourselves. That we're only as good as what we do. You know, I think stressful times, especially really stressful times of family or work, it brings us to light. Um, you know, we get into pain or brokenness and we're like, all right, no, you got to push through that pain, push through the brokenness, go, go, go. And we don't rest. The Israelites, they struggle with the same thing. And they actually missed out on what God had planned for them because of this. In Ezekiel 20, 12 to 24, it says, moreover, I gave them my Sabbaths as a sign between me and them that they, might not, that they might know that I am the Lord who satisfies them. But the house of Israel rebelled against me in the wilderness. They didn't walk in my statutes, but rejected my rules, by which if a person doesn't, he'll live. And my Sabbaths, they greatly profaned. I swore to them in the wilderness that I would not bring them into the land that I had given them, a land flowing with milk and honey, the most glorious of all lands, because they rejected my rules and did not walk in my statutes and profaned my Sabbaths. Look at some of those phrases. That first part, I gave them my Sabbaths. You see, Sabbath isn't part of our experience. It's a part of God's experience that he welcomes us into. It's not something we create or perform, but rather something that already exists, that we can experience with him, that he invites us into freely. It's part of his rhythm, God's being, his character, and he gives us that experience with him if we're willing to step into it and pause. We don't earn it. It's given. The second part says, as a sign between me and them, that they might know that I am the Lord who sanctifies them. Church, it's not our actions or our achievements, our contributions that sanctify us or define our self-worth. It's God, period. He defines that worth. He alone sanctifies us and determines and dictates that we are worthy today, now. Not because we check stuff off our list. Not because of what we accomplish. He sees us exactly where we are, even when we're in our worst state, just like his people, the Israelites, in this passage. They were exiles in the desert. Hanging on by a thread with no income, no way to provide, no guaranteed source of food. They were homeless. And yet he entered and welcomed them into his Sabbath. He invites us into Sabbath rest so that we can remember this, that it isn't about us. That he's in control, that he loves us, that he cherishes us, that he's fighting for us, and that he is all we need. 
see, entering Sabbath puts everything into, in life into perspective. I think without it, the lens through which we view the world and our circumstances and our problems, it's broken, or at least very much so out of focus. The concerns and worries that we have, they dictate where we focus. And so when things pop up or problems or tasks that we got to do, our heads are turned on our shoulders almost like a marionette does with a puppet. And we feel like we don't have control, that we just go, go, go. And in so doing, we don't experience the peace that God promises. Hebrews 4, it says, God's promise of entering his rest still stands. So we ought to tremble with fear that some of you might not experience it. For this good news that God has prepared this rest has been announced to us just as it was to them. But it did them no good because they didn't share the faith of those who listened to God. For we, only we who believe can enter his rest. As for the others, God said in my anger, I took an oath. I'll never enter my place of rest, even though this rest has been ready since he made the world. We know it is ready because of the place in the scriptures where it mentions the seventh day. Remember, we just read this. Ten Commandments. On the seventh day, God rested from all his work. But in the other passage, God said, they will never enter my place of rest. So God's rest is there for people to enter, but those who first heard this good news failed to enter because they disobeyed God. So God set another time for entering his rest, and that time is today. God announced this through David much later in the words already quoted. Today, when you hear his voice, don't harden your hearts. Now, if Joshua had succeeded in giving them this rest, God would not have spoken about another day of rest still to come. So there's a special rest still waiting for the people of God. For all who have entered into God's rest have rested from their labors. Just as God did after creating the world. So let us do our best to enter that rest. But if we disobey God, as the people of Israel did, we will fall. If we don't enter into Sabbath rest... We are disobeying God as the people of Israel did, and we will fall. Suddenly, Sabbath doesn't seem so much like a suggestion, does it? See, but here's the beautiful thing. Sabbath, rest, is a gift. Not a curse. It's a blessing, not a burden. It sets us free from the worries of today's world and refocuses our eyes on the eternal and ever-present power of the one who is in control. The one who loves us in the midst of all of our worries and circumstances. And when we enter into Sabbath rest, we allow ourselves to finally realize that fully. Understand that he's in control, not us, and that we are worthy because he calls us so, not because of what we accomplish. You know, it's the interesting thing looking back on that time in 2020 um, when I was unemployed, no income, no stability, no security. We had just lost some of our closest friends due to some crazy stuff that was going on. Um, Oh, and by the way, a week after our company shut down, I found out that my wife was pregnant with our fourth kid and we had no health insurance, so it was super fun. And it should have been probably the most stressful time in our life. But that summer was maybe the best summer I've ever had. I remember stillness. I remember little things. 
like watching my kids play in the inflatable pool and just seeing how beautiful the sparkles on the water droplets were. I remember going on hikes in Riverview Park and it didn't feel like just hiking. It felt like I was walking with my creator, surrounded by the orchestral noises of his creation. It took stripping my job away and removing all semblance of stability and security from our lives, from my life, and having zero control over my circumstances to help me realize one very important centering thing, that I was never in control to begin with. He is the source of our stability and security, not my paycheck, not my job, not my friends, not any of this stuff that I had been holding onto for so long. He was the source of our daily bread. Do you know how freeing that was? To finally realize this? Like, I had been working so hard and holding on so tightly to this construct of stability and security and wrapping up my identity in what I had been building, what I had accomplished, the beautiful kids, the life we had created, the fact that we could pay our bills the next month, and I had been gripping onto it so tightly in this facade of control. Do you know how freeing it felt to finally let go? To sit in a moment alone jobless, no income, no clear way to provide for our kids. My wife's pregnant, for goodness sake, no health insurance. It took that plus a bunch of COVID symptoms I still didn't understand back then to realize that I was loved the entire time, that he was protecting me the entire time, that all the energy and time that I put into controlling outcomes was a waste of my time. Because for the first time, guys, I had done a lot of stuff right then. We had built this amazing thing. We're launching it globally on the Today Show the next day. And within 24 hours, it crumbled. My, am I glad that it did. You see, what it took a global pandemic and all of these things to finally open my calloused eyes to, God left instructions for us to experience that peace in his word. It's been there the whole time. I was just too blind to see it. I took Sabbath as a suggestion. I didn't allow myself time to inhale, and to exhale, to breathe, and to enter into that rest. So why on earth are we talking about Sabbath? It's Thanksgiving. It's Christmas time. We're entering into Advent. How does this have anything to do with this season? I think it has everything to do with this season. We have an amazing opportunity in front of us, church, to enter into not only this week of Thanksgiving, but this Advent season and potentially see clearly for the first time in a while the impact of God's provision in our lives, in our community. You know, I'm not saying we look around and be like, oh, look at our stockpiles. I'm just saying, look, church, we're here today, aren't we? Like, we're breathing. We woke up this morning. I stood up this morning. I can stand. I got to hug my kids. I got to see my wife. I got to see friends here at church. I got to church safely. I'm not trying to discount any problems, troubles, or trials that anyone's going through. But church, we're here, aren't we? 
There's a lot to be thankful for. And it is so easy in the busyness of the holidays and the craziness of sameness and the constant to-do list that we so hyper-focus on in our culture to completely and totally forget all of the blessings that God has already provided for in this moment, in this breath. My challenge to each of us, myself included, guys, I'm not good at this. I still struggle with this. <laughs> but my challenge to all of us is to create space each day, each week. I'm not saying set a whole day aside. It doesn't have to be like some retreat at a monastery. I'm just saying find time, five or 10 minutes, 30 minutes, and just sit and be still and ask God to open our eyes to how he has already provided for us to ask him to open our eyes to the things that we should be grateful for, but we're not, that we take for granted. To ask him to remind us in this season that is so often associated with more gifts, more family get-togethers, perfect turkeys, don't mess up the cranberry sauce, and forget about all that stuff, because if we focus on those things, we're gonna view them as burdens again. It's so easy to look at these things and look back on them and be like, oh my gosh, I'm exhausted. And I don't want us to stand here the second week of January and think, man, I am tired. I want us to stand here and think, man, I'm blessed. Don't miss out on the peace and the joy and the beauty of this season as we enter into Advent together. Take a break. You don't got to earn it. <laughs> don't feel guilty. Inhale and exhale. I don't care how busy your schedule is. Enter into his Sabbath because it is a gift that he is wanting to give us so that we can fully embrace this season of Advent. Let's pray. God, man, we're addicted to doing. We have for far too long, I have for far too long associated my self-worth with my accomplishments, what I bring to the world. I know that I fill my schedule with stuff. Consciously, subconsciously, it doesn't matter. I fill it because I feel like I have to, because I feel like if I don't, that there's something wrong with me, that I'm not intentional, and I think we struggle with that. God, I pray that as we enter into this Advent season over these upcoming weeks, as we gather around tables, or we find ourselves alone in this season that can be difficult for some and joyous for others, I pray that independent of those circumstances, that you will help us see that you have provided, that you go before us, that you are with us, and that you love us. Help us to enter into Advent, inhaling and exhaling and embracing the goodness that is your Sabbath. Help us to make daily and regular time to do that so that when we look back on this season, we are filled with you, with energy and with life so that as we go into 2023, our cups are full so that we can pour into those in our community, our family, and our streets. We ask all of this in your precious and holy and powerful name. Amen.